So I'm just going to click record now. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can open them to Ephesians chapter one. We're going to start there. Uh, can you see, can you see the, um, can someone give me a thumbs up? Can you see the screen, like a live PowerPoint? Or has it gone funny? I'm getting some, some with thumbs up, some shaking the head. We have got it. Okay, great. Super. Okay, uh, super. Uh, so Ephesians chapter one, uh, we're going to start right at the beginning. It's great to, uh, it's great to uh, be able to finally open this up together. So I'm just trying to organize so I can see myself. I'm a bit vain like that. But no, I can't. Never mind. Who cares? Okay. Super. Um, okay, so Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 1, we're going to start off with. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles open, I've got my ES, my little journal uh, Bible. Uh, we're going to be using the ESV. Uh, so we're going to read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to spend the next 20 minutes or so looking at the first two verses of Ephesians chapter one. Uh, we're going to look at the introduction. And so we're just going to jump straight in. And the first thing I want us to look at is Paul, uh, the first word. Uh, we see who wrote the book and he is calls himself the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul uh, wrote 27, um, 27. There's 27 books in the New Testament. Paul wrote 13, possibly 14 of those Book. So he's a major contributor to the New Testament, but he wasn't always so passionate about Jesus. In fact, in Acts 8, we can see Paul and he is, uh, got that there, um, that's the scripture, uh, and he is, he's a guy who is passionate about putting down the church, about persecuting the church. He, he really is very angry. And in fact, in verse 3 of chapter 8, we read that he was uh, ravaging the church that he was entering house after house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison so this is a guy who wasn't just sending an angry email or kind of giving a like a bit of an angry look but was very very much against the church in fact the the, the section heading in the ESV bible of Acts chapter 8 says Saul ravages the church and of course then we know Saul became Paul so it's the same guy and he was absolutely passionately against the church and then something happens something changes Paul from this guy who hates the church to a guy who is passionate about the church who loves Jesus a guy who writes 13 14 books out of 27 a guy who goes church planting and quite simply really he meets Jesus and his life is transformed he he receives this unmerited undeserved forgiveness and and his life is completely transformed he 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 receives the grace of god and it's this grace that paul unpacks as he goes through the book or the letter to the ephesians so let's continue to read paul saints second thing i want to just quickly touch on is is that Paul calls the people who are reading this letter saints. And if you're anything like me, when you hear the word saints, you probably like get an image in your head of, for example, Mother Teresa, or maybe you think about like really beautiful stained glass windows and you see the, the, the picture of the saints and, and they've got a halo around these really 
holy, perfect people. And in fact, a quick Google on how to become a saint uh, brings up the five steps. And first of all, you need to wait five years until after you have died. So someone else does it on your behalf. Of course, you can't do it yourself. Um, and then during your life, you have to have been an amazing servant of God. So lived life this perfect, pure, holy, blameless life, like really like absolutely like not making mistakes. Thirdly, you then need to have like shown some sort of heroic virtue in your life. So that may be uh, an or orphanage or, or starting a schools or hospitals, doing something that is really that you are remembered for. Fourthly, you have to provide a miracle. So as people pray to you, so now you're dead, as people are praying to you, you have to provide some sort of miracle. And that kind of shows, I guess, that you're, 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 you've got Jesus is right, right here. You know, you're able to, he's able to listen to you, you and he's able to do what you ask. And then finally, in, as you get canonized, as you become a saint, you would either normally have to do another miracle just to kind of like guarantee, or if you have died a martyr, then you kind of one miracle is enough. This is massive five-step process. And that is how you become a saint. That is obviously not what Paul is saying here. That's not really his understanding of the word saint. In fact, in the original in Greek, it's, it's a word called hagoi, and it, li it literally means holy. It means set apart. So Paul is writing to a group of believers and people who love Jesus and they're basic, he's basically saying that they are people who are set apart, that they are belonging to Christ, that they now live in a different reality, that they are now alive where before they were dead, as we go on to see that they are an alive people, a set apart people. And so he's not writing to like a bunch of dead superhumans who are like saints and done all the five steps actually he's writing to very very normal people but who have put Jesus in their life and they put their trust in Jesus and now he's saying you are a saint he's talking to very normal people and here we have uh, the temple to the goddess Artemis and if you remember uh, what was it in August or something I think when we did our one physical meeting together at Mebodiahus um, we spoke a bit about Ephesus and we found out very quickly that it was it was a city with many different gods. You had Zeus, and then, of course, you had this massive, massive temple where the goddess Artemis or Diana was absolutely like, worshipped and loved. And so a lot of people in Ephesus would have had some sort of connection to a god, this god, or some sort of background in that before coming into the church. These were people with backgrounds. These were people very much like Paul, who was ravaging the church. These were people who weren't you kind of like your average, like nice person, whatever that is, you know, got, got a good job and, you know, and doing all the cultural things to mean that they are like an acceptable person. This church would have been full of all sorts of people with all sorts of backgrounds, very, very normal people. In fact, people just like you and me. And I think we, we kind of, we can open scripture and from our comfortable room or wherever wherever we are and kind of miss the people that at this point Paul was writing to and we need to understand that they were people just like us they were people with baggage they were people who had messed up but had then accepted Jesus and Paul calls them saints 
And so as we go through this book, uh, we're going to find terms and that, that maybe will sound surprising to us. We're going to we're going to we're going to hear words that we think that that's a surprising word. I wouldn't have called myself one of those. And I would I want to suggest that as we as we go through this book, that we really approach Ephesians with a childlike humility and a willingness to learn and see what God wants to say to us, what God wants to say to you about who you are. And one of the things Paul and God wants to say right now is that you're a saint. And I, I, I don't know what descriptions perhaps you have that stick with you. Perhaps you, you grew up and someone called you something and it's kind of stuck with you. Or perhaps even yourself, you look in the mirror and you, and you call yourself something. You describe yourself in a certain way. And that perhaps hurts. I, I remember for me, uh, not to go too much into the story because we don't have the time, but I, I, I was called by my principal at school by the liar and so and, and that that name just has stuck with me and you know I can remember it today as I was preparing I was like what what names can I remember being called and straight away by the liar came into my head and I think if those names are the, are the kind of the, the primary way that you think about yourself then I think it's really really important that we let the words from the apostle sink in and what he's saying to you as we open this book right at the very beginning, he's saying you are a saint. He's saying you are a saint. You are set apart, that you belong to Jesus. It's so important that we hold on to that, okay? We don't just rush on past this. This is written to very normal people, people like you, people like me. And he says, you believe in Jesus, you are a saint. So let's hold on to that. We then move on and uh, we see that he writes to uh, the people in Ephesus. Uh, here we have, again, just a quick reminder of the, the map. You've got the, uh, the red arrow pointing towards Ephesus, I guess, in the, uh, in the Latin, I think this is. Um, so it's kind of like in today, uh, you're, there it is kind of like Western-ish Turkey. And, uh, and he's, he's, he's writing to the people in Ephesus. Now, there's there's a bit of an interesting conversation about whether this was a book actually written to the church in Ephesus singularly or whether it was a bit more of a circular letter so it was a book written to a group of churches and the reason for that is because in Ephesus uh, it isn't found in all the early manuscripts so some have them some don't have it and it's a question okay well was this written just to the one singular church or was this written to a group of churches because we saw in Acts 19 and 20 that Ephesus was an extremely successful church planting churches all into Asia Minor okay and so this could very easily have been a book to all those churches rather than just to the church in Ephesus so however we look at it and however you decide whether it was in or it wasn't in it's very important to know that this was a book to the saints in Ephesus and it also was a book to the saints in Asia Minor. And it also is a book to the saints in Gothenburg. So we shouldn't miss what Paul is saying here. And in fact, elsewhere in scripture, what he is saying is that where you live matters. Ephesus mattered, Asia Minor matters, Gothenburg matters. So God 
has set us apart spiritually. Okay, we've learned that we're saints, we're set apart, we now belong to Christ. We once were here, we now are here. We once were dead, now we are alive. So we belong to Christ spiritually. And what that can mean is that we send suddenly become people who sort of live these separate lives who perhaps even we start to look down on people who aren't set apart who aren't saints what paul is saying is that we as saints live in gothenburg we are a people in gothenburg and it's absolutely vital that we get this as 2021 kind of stretches beyond us and we ask the question god how are you going to move in this city what are you going to do The answer is actually very simple. He's going to move through saints, through me and you being in the city. It's absolutely fundamental that we get this. We are called to be a people who live in Gothenburg. We don't just do the odd event that kind of, you know, puts us into Gothenburg and then we escape out into our holy place. No, we are people who have been put into Gothenburg. And we need to understand that. We need to get that. It's fundamental paul says uh in philippians 2 15 that you will shine among them like stars okay it's not you will shine with all the other stars in some sort of big star mess very bright no in the darkness just like this picture amongst the darkness you will shine so as we live in gothenburg as we are among gothenburg we will shine and god God loves this city. And I don't know why you think you're here. Perhaps you've lived here your whole life and it's, you know, the kids are in school and it's a comfortable place to be. And, you know, you like Gothenburg or, or maybe you've got a job here and you've moved from a different nation or perhaps you felt, you know, you want to try Gothenburg out for whatever reason you think you are here. I, I would suggest to you there is a more important primary reason. And that is because God loves this city and he's placed you in it you to show others his love, you to shine amongst the darkness as a star. So we're a people who are saints, but we're in Ephesus, in Gothenburg. He then goes on to uh, introduce this term that we we see as we go through the book of Ephesians. And so we're not going to do a deep dive in it now, uh, but as we kind of go through chapter one and we uh, in fact, as we go through the book, we see this is a phrase that comes up time and time again, that we are a people in Christ. And so if I was to tell you that uh, I'm going to be flying to England on my own, you would rightly think, you know, Josh has kind of finally gone insane or at least is starting to show people that he has gone insane, which happened a few years ago. But if I was to tell you that. I will be flying in a plane. Well, suddenly, uh, barring Corona, of course, where there's not so many planes, but suddenly everything would make sense. Well, of course, he can fly to England. There's this amazing truth that Paul unpacks and introduces now that we are a people who are in Christ. And it's absolutely fundamental and vital. I'm going to be saying that a lot as we go through this series, because there are some truths in here that we need to get. There's some foundations. Perhaps you've been a a saint for 20 years or for 20 minutes, but there's some foundations here that we either need to check that we've got them or put them in. And one of them is we are in Christ. Okay, we are people in Christ. 
And because what, what can happen is we can kind of read books written by Paul or, or read stories in scripture or, or hear of great heroes of the faith, whoever they may be that are alive today or have lived over the last centuries and think that they are superhumans, that there's, there's something special about them. When the reality is that they are very, very ordinary people. They are people just like you and me. Paul had his weaknesses. And we know that. We read about that in scripture. Okay. These are normal people just like us. Yet, and this is important, by the grace of God, they have been put in the aeroplane. They have been put in Christ. And suddenly they're able to fly. And this, it affects absolutely everything. So you need to know this. You were in Christ. And much like I would share the character of the plane, we share in Christ. Okay, so I would share the speed and the height and the flying abilities because I'm in the plane. We share in Christ's life. We share in his death, in his resurrection. We go on to see as we're going to soon find out that we're seated with him. We have been reconciled to God. This is all not because of what we have done. It's all because we have been brought into the plane. We've brought, been brought into Christ through the grace of God. Understanding this changes everything. It should change our perspective of everything. Our identity suddenly can change. Oh, no, we're not, we're not in Josh. We are now in Christ. Okay, in fact, a lot of churches will call their um, their series going through Ephesians identity or foundations or in Christ even because this is so so important. And when you see your identity is not in who you are or what you've done or the mistakes you've done or the good things that you've done or the money you have or anything like that, it is in Christ. It changes who you are as a person. It changes our behaviour, our our, our life choices, what, what we do with our time, what we do with our finances, we suddenly realize we are as someone who is in and it gives us incredible opportunities as we are able to fly to England or whatever that may be. And notice where Paul puts this amazing truth. He doesn't kind of uh, put it at the end, Ephesians chapter six. He doesn't put it at the end of the book. It's not an achievement, if you like, to become, you know, you do the five steps of becoming a in Christ, just like you do to become an in saint. And then that's it. You achieve the in Christ. No, it's right at the beginning. See, many other religions will say you live a good life and you work up and you kind of get yourself up that ladder or up the steps. You will become, if God is happy with you, you know, he can still change his mind, but you will become something. What Christianity does, which is completely different, is it says right at the beginning of the book, Ephesians chapter one, verse two, or maybe we're still even in verse one. In Christ, you are in Christ. It's nothing to do with what you have done. Okay, it's nothing to do with what you will do. It's nothing to do with what you will not do. You are in Christ. Someone else has driven to the airport. Someone else has gone through passport control. Someone else has paid for the ticket and walked up the steps. And you sit in Christ because of what Christ has done. It's a gift of grace. It is all because of Jesus. We don't need to do anything. We accept the plane ticket and we get in Christ. 
And that's Paul's priority right at the beginning of the letter. And he goes through the letter. It's a message of grace. It's a message of you are in Christ. Understand that. Get that. Phil Moore in his helpful book, if I've got it somewhere, uh, which I recommended, I think, last last week, he, he simply says the Ephesians had two addresses. And I think this is really, really helpful. Two addresses in Ephesus, okay, in Gothenburg and in Christ. So do we. We're a people in Christ and in Gothenburg. That's who we are. And then just as we kind of come to land, if you want to use the analogy that we've been <laughs> using a little bit, um, Paul uses, uh, he says, grace to you and peace. And kind of as he finishes this short but potent introduction, he tells his readers what they have received from Christ, namely grace and peace. And the interesting thing about uh, the book of Ephesians, which kind of lends uh, to the idea of maybe it was written to a bunch of churches, is that Ephesians doesn't deal with a problem. So Paul will often in his letters write about, you know, the sexual immorality in the church, you need to stop that. Or, uh, you know, there's, you're trying to become more like Jews, legalism is coming in, you need to stop that. Or the, the issue you've got with the Lord's Supper, you've got to stop that. Um, and he'll deal with something. In Ephesians, he doesn't. I think what, what we get in Ephesians is Paul's heart. We kind of he, he writes a letter, he writes a book here that is the the heart of Paul. It's it's what he lives for, it's what he is so so passionate about now. And in fact, in Acts 20, 24, we read him talking to the Ephesians elders, and he says basically his goal in life is to testify to the gospel of grace. That's Paul's goal. Paul understood the grace of God. He understood that it was something to fight for. He understood it was something to live for. He knew the importance of the doctrine of the grace of God. And so in writing the book to the Ephesians, we see right at the beginning again, and we go through the book, that this is a book about the grace of God. And again, we need to get this. We need to understand this. It is all through grace. See, we live in a culture that says you are what you eat or nothing you get in life is for free. Or the great Invictus poem, you know, you're the captain of your soul, the master of your own fate, something like that. You know, it's all about, you know, what you can do. Actually, that is completely the opposite message again of Christianity, of this letter, of this book. It is grace. It is peace. It is something completely undeserved. Grace and peace. On the 16th of September, Mexicans celebrate their Independence Day. And they celebrate this, have celebrated it for 200 years since a guy called Miguel, a local church leader in a town called Dolores, uh, rang this bell. And he rang this bell and he shouted this word, La Grita which means freedom, okay, it's the freedom shout, and if you were with us a few years ago, we went through Galatians, and we called our whole series the freedom shout, because we're, as a church, we want to learn this shout, we want to shout this shout out, that it is for freedom you have been set free, and again, as we, as we go through this book, as we read Ephesians, one thing that we're going to hear ringing again and again is the bell of freedom it's the bell of grace 
And God wants you to hear that message. And we're going to dig into it. It's all about grace. It's not about what you bring to the table. It's not your skills or the way you look or how you're brought up or whatever. It's all through grace. It's not about what you can achieve. It's all through grace. It is all through grace. And again, Paul starts off the letter, grace to you, peace to you. And so we start off like, Paul, grace to you, peace to you. We want to, I want to encourage you just to be open right now. I know it's a bit different, but hey, we're still together. And it's, I want to encourage you to receive God's grace afresh, receive God's peace. Again, he, he, he wants, he wants you to hear that freedom shout, that, that, that bell ringing moment. Perhaps you've not been living in grace recently. Perhaps you felt that God is angry with you or disappointed with you. Perhaps you feel disappointed in yourself you've missed an opportunity something you were praying for and suddenly you missed it and yeah you know god's not angry there's a message of grace that you need to receive there's a message of peace that you need to receive and my prayer as uh, kind of as we as as we finish uh, my prayer is that you will hear the message of grace as we go through this book that you are now in christ so right at the beginning of this book as i land now you're in Christ. You're in Christ. We don't need to go through the whole, the whole journey of Ephesians to find ourselves in Christ. Right at the beginning, if you love Jesus, if you put your faith in him, your hope in him, you are a saint in Christ. I'm going to quickly pray and then I think, Al, you can take back over. Uh, Jesus, we just want to thank you for Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. We want to thank you, Jesus, that uh, we are in Christ, that the message of grace is at the beginning of the book, not at the end. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to work up to anything because, Jesus, you already did it all. Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you for your death. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you that now you are seated in all power. Lord, and we thank you that we join in to that. We get onto the plane. We get into Christ. That's just an incredible truth. I just pray well, where we all are now, Lord, may you, that truth and amazing news just really settle with us. In your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Al, over to you. Cool. Mm -hmm.